All right, welcome back, friends. Mike Farrell's Sports Talk. My name is Adam, and as always, the godfather of recruiting, the godfather of news this week, as it turns out, Mr. Mike mm-hmm. Farrell. Back again. It's only fitting, Mike, you'd be on your own show. Have you been busy this week? Anything going on? Anything new that we should yeah, talk about? Nothing. Nothing new. Nothing nothing okay, to good. Talk about. So, All right, well, thanks for joining you know, us on the Mike Farrell Show. Yeah, bye. So, Arch Manning thing, if you haven't heard. And again, this is this is the way we live in society today. I, I did a podcast a couple days ago. I was asked a question, is he overrated? I said yes. And I said this. I said if his film came in under the name Arch Smith or you know Bill Smith or whatever, and people evaluated it, had no idea who he was, had no idea who his uncles were, his grandfather, and really had no idea how many offers he had, they would rate him as a three-star. That's what I saw on the film, a high three-star. Now, once you find out he's a Manning, you get a half a star for that because there's never been an unsuccessful Manning quarterback. So I have no problem with with a four-star. But I will tell you this. When I first started ranking the 2023 class and going through them, I had him in the picture for number one overall. And then I started to think to myself, this is old habit. And and one of the industry secrets um, that I'll share in my book eventually is that there are a lot of factors to who's number one. And, you know, as far as who will drive traffic and who will bring this, that, and the other. And, you know, I started thinking to myself, I'm, I'm working for myself, I can do whatever I want. So I went back and looked, and then I looked at the Elite 11 tapes of all those kids, and then I went back and looked at all of them again, and then I looked at Arch, and they kept like, he kept sliding down. He, he became like sixth, seventh best quarterback in this class which is not a five-star, which is not the number one player in the country. So there's the long-winded explanation of him being overrated. He doesn't suck. I wouldn't rate him as a three-star. He's going to be a four-star when I rate in August. But that's how it blew up. But yeah, I, so the comments, to be, to be fair to you, here, here, uh, here's what I want to do. I want to kind of direct the criticisms that you're facing your way to give you a chance to respond. Sure. So here's what I saw uh, on social media. I saw... Some people say that you started him as a three-star and that by the end of the interview, you made some sort of a comment that he might even be a two-star. So is that accurate? Was that your intention during that part of that conversation? How how do you, how do you respond to that? No, what I, what I will say is this, that I've been doing this for a very, very long time. Back when VHS tapes were dropped, you know, in your mailbox and the mailman hated me, there was no huddle. There was no online film. You had to call coaches and get VHS tapes sent to you. Um, in the days of the early, early days of ranking kids, the late 1990s, you really didn't know. You would get unsolicited VHS tapes, too, because my address was out there and would just send me stuff. If I put in a tape and looked at a kid, and I didn't know who he was, I didn't know if he had any offers, I would have to evaluate him without any of that information, not knowing that you know Nick Saban wants him, Kirby Smart wants him, Davo Swinney wants him. You know, those are all national title winners. Steve Sarkeesian wants him, that his, his last name is Manning. He's the nephew of uh, Peyton and, and Eli. You wouldn't know that stuff. I guarantee you, and what I said is that there are analysts out there in this industry who would rate him as a two-star. They'd pop him up. They'd give him a two-star you know, profile. And then when they found out all those offers, all that interest, the last name, oh, my God, all of a sudden, he would turn into a four or five. 
Well, one of the things I read on your on your website, MikeFarrellSports.com, you had sort of a piece explaining kind of a factor fiction about how you arrive at these decisions and these rankings. And one thing I'd love for you to get a little bit more detailed on, you talked about you rank quarterbacks pre-Elite 11, then you let them go to Elite 11, and then you rank quarterbacks post-Elite 11. Obviously, Arch did not attend Elite 11, but right. you referenced in your article that you still went back and did a bit of a deep dive on his tape and his film relative to the comparison you saw from the other kids that went to Elite 11. So can you take us a little bit inside that process? How are you evaluating what you're looking at or how that works for you? Yeah, and I've been doing this since the Elite 11 started 100 years ago. Um, and, and again, I don't like to make big changes based on the Elite 11 because – you know, the Elite 11 back in the day with Bob Johnson and Nike and all that stuff was really, really great. Um, you got a lot of evaluation out of it. You got a lot of throws. You got a lot of duress. And, and then it became a little bit softer as it was incorporated and, and bigger names started to take over. And I won't name names, but I'll say, you know, they, they kind of dumbed it down a little bit when it comes to throws. Now, I'm not a quarterback whisperer or an expert, right? But... It was hard to evaluate. Then they, they, they grouped it with the opening, which was awesome. Then you've got the best of the best in seven on seven and all this other stuff. But every year I've done this and I try not to make huge changes based on the Elite 11 because it's, again, it's not real football. But camps will show you mechanics, arm strength, velocity, accuracy, ability thrown to run, all that stuff. And I've been doing this with the Elite 11, you know, for 20 plus years. So my process is this, go through the camp season, evaluate film, junior film, camp film. Then the Elite 11 comes around, take a look at it, then go back and look at every one of them. And not just the guys who have participated in the Elite 11, all the quarterbacks that are highly ranked and then compare them and look at their film again. And this is how colleges do it too. I mean, colleges will pass on a kid that they didn't offer, then they'll see five other schools offer them. And then they'll look at his film again and say, did we miss something? Mm -hmm. And they'll decide if they did or didn't. For me, it's the same process. Did I miss something or was I overvaluing this kid? And I'll admit I was overvaluing Arch Manning because of the last name. And it just struck me after looking at all these elite 11 quarterbacks that I was doing that. So if you, and again, I know you're not a quarterback coach, you're not a quarterback whisperer, as you said, but if you were advising Arch Manning, where are the areas of his game that you think you need to see more consistency or a little bit more of where you'd say, hey, I, I think he actually is trending in that really top upper echelon? Well, listen, he's a big kid, right? He's, he's six foot four. He's 215 pounds. He's got a live arm. He doesn't have an elite arm. It's not a special arm. Uh, when he gets to Texas, he's going to see a special arm in Quinn Ewers. Now, that doesn't mean Quinn Ewers is a better quarterback or will be a better quarterback because a lot of it's between the ears. And that's why the Manning name is worth a half a star to me because he's been tutored and coached by some pretty great quarterbacks. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, level of competition is, isn't great. It's small football in Louisiana. Um, he, he was exposed a little bit in the playoffs. You know, he had a real bad game. I think it was six to 17 with a pick and just couldn't get in a rhythm at all. Now he doesn't play with elite players, but one of his receivers is going to Texas. So that's, you know, it's good enough, but he's in a private school and he's playing there for reasons. If he wasn't named Manning, he would have probably either not gone there or transferred out to a bigger, higher classification. So what I really want to see, it's not a mechanical thing. You know, 
his footwork is solid. His mechanics are solid. His arm is solid. But there's nothing that jumps out on the film to me after watching it over and over again. And actually, believe it or not, wanting to see five stars. I, I mm-hmm. really wanted to because I, I want to have Arch Manning be a five star. Nothing popped off the film that says, wow, this is Trevor Lawrence. You know, wow. And I know people are going to laugh. Wow, this is Josh Rosen. Well, Josh Rosen sucks. No, he didn't suck. He was amazing in high school. Uh, and he went on to be a top 10 NFL pick and just sort of attitude his way around the NFL. But some of these guys that I've seen, you know, and he's not an athlete like a Terrell Pryor or Vince Young or anybody like that. I'll tell you the comparison for me is a smaller Jimmy Clausen. And Jimmy Clausen was the LeBron James of high school football. Sure. He was number yeah. one, and everybody knew about him since his freshman year. And Charlie Weiss anointed him and turned down Mitch Mustang's commitment to get Jimmy Clausen. And in hindsight, Jimmy Clausen had a good career. He was a second-round pick and hung around the NFL for a while. But in hindsight, he was not the number one player in the country. So I'm, you know, Jimmy Clausen is much smaller. He doesn't have the upside. He doesn't have – you know, Casey Clausen isn't – Peyton Manning, uh, but it's just the, to me breaking jump news. Out yes, as number one. Yeah, he just doesn't jump out as number one to me. And and it, this doesn't mean he sucks. This is the problem in today's world, right? First of all, you hate Texas. I don't hate Texas. You hate the Manning. Okay, ready? Look at this. Yeah, it that's, looks like a Colt helmet. Yeah, for those who are not watching, Colt helmet looks like an autograph. I assume that's Peyton. Oh, it's a Peyton Manning autograph. Colt helmet, speed flex, gorgeous, gorgeous. And I'm a huge Peyton Manning fan. I'm a Tom Brady fan. You know, I'm going to be both a fan of both. I like football. I like good football players. I don't have an Eli one because he's not good enough ah, for oh, my collection. Okay. No okay. offense to Eli. Listen, you beat Brady twice, but your career was not Peyton Manning's career. That's by the way. So, that's not going to help you get people to believe you do. You like the names, by the way. Well, that's true. By, by back, well, listen, FYI. there's a big battle: is he a Hall of Famer or not? And, and my thing okay. is always in the NFL. If you if you can you write the history of the NFL without somebody, and you can't write it without Eli Manning. You can't. Well, I think Tom you Brady can have a Hall of Fame performance, but not have a Hall of Fame career, right? He had two Hall of Fame performance style games, but body of work. I think that's where you have to do some measurables on that. Right. But I, I will say it's OK for him to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't mind that. I, yeah. I think you could you could tell the history of, of, of the NFL without Philip Rivers, even though he put up massive numbers because this is such a pass happy world we live in. Um, you can't tell the history of the NFL without Eli Manning. So, listen, they're funny. They're great. I love watching, you know, ESPN two Monday Night Football so I can listen to those two guys go back and forth and make fun of Charles Barkley or each other or whatever. I love them. I don't, Steve Sarkeesian's a great coach. There's assistant coaches at Texas that I like. This has nothing to do with any of them. It doesn't have anything to do with Arch either. I don't know him. I've never spoken to him. I've never spoken to Cooper. They don't want to talk to me. They don't care who I am. I'm just saying that I know how things work in the industry. And I know how sometimes you can get caught up in the name of somebody as a legacy. And I think that's what's happening here. I've got him probably as a top 100 player and in the six, seven ranging quarterback, that's not bad. But in this day and age, if you say he's overrated, then all of a sudden he has to suck. And that's not what I'm saying. Right. 
Well, to be fair, the other thing I think I've heard you say, I'll let you address this, is that he has the ceiling to continue to improve, right? He's got a lot of runway to continue to become a better quarterback, get some additional reps under his belt, play some tougher competition. So you feel like, hey, listen, even though I'm saying he's here right now, the ceiling he has in front of him is is great. And if he capitalizes on that ceiling, he can be a a fantastic quarterback, right? So you're saying this isn't, the story's not written at this point. And it never is with any recruit. I don't care who you are. It, it wasn't written with, um, <clears throat> what the heck's his name? Kyle Wright. Okay. Old time yeah, fan Miami, yeah. of Miami, right? It, it wasn't written with him. It wasn't written with Anthony Morelli at Penn State. It's it's never fully written. It's just what you see uh, based on what you can evaluate. He doesn't go to camps. You know, he didn't go to the 11. I don't care. Why, is, why is that? Why is that, Mike? Is, do you have any reason, any thinking? To. He doesn't need to. So kids grow up dreaming of the Elite 11, right? And it's a great, great honor to have it. They grow up dreaming. Arch Manning didn't grow up dreaming of that. Arch Manning was in locker rooms, you know, with with his uncles winning Super Bowls. The Elite 11 is a pimple on his butt. He doesn't care. Doesn't care. So he doesn't have to go. What what upside is there for him to go there so that people can say he's overrated? Because that's it. What everybody's going to say. And here's the problem for poor Arch Manning. And again, I, I always preface poor. He's going to be uh, more famous than me. He's going to be richer <laughs> than me. Priority is um, he's going to get uh, more girls than I ever did. And he's going to have a better life than I ever will. Um, so poor Arch Manning, but he can't live up to it. He just can't. It's impossible. Trevor Lawrence. Here's my example. Number one player, best quarterback I ever saw in high school, went to Clemson, won a national title as a true freshman. Okay, then went on to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. You can't have more success than that, right? But there are people, trolls, idiots, morons on the internet that say, uh, he sucked. He didn't win the Heisman. He lost in the playoff. You know, he, he got he got the benefit of the doubt against Ohio State. Like there's just there's there's morons everywhere that will and and how's so let's say Arch Manning goes and wins a national championship at Texas, which would be amazing. It goes on to become the number one pick in the NFL draft, which could happen. Um, there's still going to be people say that he sucks. And I'm not saying he sucks, but I am the only one who apparently has the, the cojones to say this last name matters. It, it, it just matters. Well, yeah, let, let's let's talk. I mean, so I mean, again, here's here's the reality. I'll let you respond, right? Everybody on Twitter, everyone on social media, the, the morons as you call them, they're all basically giving you a victory lap for way to go, Mike. Now your name is out there. You're getting the the publicity you want. You're getting the name that you want out there. Job well done. So th- there are a cynical number of folks who are basically saying this is all an orchestrated effort on your part. Let me let me just talk down to Arch Manning, and that that allows Mike Farrell to get his name out there. How do you respond to the the folks who would sort of I, I essentially accuse you of of mm-hmm. making this up or, or creating this controversy for your own benefit. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's, you know, clickbait is what they call it. And people don't know what clickbait is because if you put something out on a podcast, I guess people are clicking that, but if you put something out on social media, people aren't clicking on it and whatever. So, you know, I get accused of that. I don't care. I couldn't care less. When this blew up, it was actually an annoyance to me. Hmm. You know, I, I'm not trying to make my name in this industry. I've made my name. Okay. I, I've done well for myself. I'm content. Does that mean I lost my drive to write, to evaluate? No, I'm going to do that until I'm dead. But I don't care. This is an annoyance more than it's good. You know, there are some people that 
have this stuff go viral and they're like, oh, yes, this is great. We're getting talked about. We're going to get followers. We're going to get clicks, all this, you know, sponsors. I don't care. Couldn't care less. I, I would like this to go away, but I will tell you this. The reason I'm talking about it is because it hasn't gone away. And it will. Next week, there'll be something else that somebody's talking about. And no one will care about my hot take about Arch Manning. Um, and, and, and I'll be happier then than I am now because I'm really tired of it. Because in this world, you know, something that is considered disparaging gets you 100 times more attention than something that says, great. I, I said last week when I was doing my Elite 11 breakdown that it's a, it's a great battle between Malachi Nelson and Dante Moore as the number one player and, and quarterback in this class. Guess how many people cared? Three. You know, a couple of USC fans, a couple of Oregon fans, you know, bleary eyed, waking up at 11 or whatever they do out in the West Coast and looking at it and like, oh, sweet, like. But I say Arch Manning's overrated and all of a sudden the world is paying attention to me. That's stupid. I don't like it. Well, you mentioned, uh, you know, what, I think five maybe quarterbacks ahead of Arch. I think I heard you right. You said he's, he's about the sixth, seventh spot. Who are, who are those quarterbacks you have in front of him right now? I'm still uh, going through it. You know, there, there's Vizina going to Clemson. I like uh, Nelson going to USC. I like Dante Moore going to Oregon. I like um, there's there's some others that I saw at the Elite 11. I, I don't really want to put out the list. I mean, it, Nico Emma Levea going to uh, California, you know, he's from California, going to Tennessee is a kid I like. Um, he didn't participate in the Elite 11 either. He's playing volleyball. Um, right. You know, th there are other players that I do like, uh, those are like four that I'll, I'll be comfortable naming. Um, yep. you know, is Eli Holston one of them? No, he's the Alabama commitment. Uh, I, I think Alabama would have really liked to have Arch Manning. Um, you know, and listen, Kirby and Saban are defensive coaches, but you know, Bill O'Brien's pretty smart guy and he, he was successful as a head coach and, you know, a general manager in the NFL, and he knows more about quarterbacks than I ever will. Todd Monken knows a lot more than I ever will. On and on, these guys are smarter than me. They like Arch. But I will tell you this, there's this assumption that he was number one on everybody's list, and that is completely false. Not true at all. Um, everybody wanted him, but there's also about eight quarterbacks, nine quarterbacks that everybody wanted in this class, too. And obviously, Arch still has time to improve, right? So my assumption would be, I'll, I'll make an assumption, you tell me if I'm wrong, that as this next season goes on for Arch, if you see that improvement, you will not be shy about saying, hey, this kid has improved. I see him in that in that four or five-star rating at that point, if you see sort of the progression you're hoping to see, correct? Yeah, that's, that's how it works. Um, we've had a lot of kids that over the years that we ranked lower than, than some other people did, and we bumped them up and, and said we were wrong. Uh, you know, being wrong it's part of this process. I mean, people brought up the Mahomes tweet where I said, Patrick Mahomes, that was the worst move of the draft by the Chiefs trading up to get Mahomes, <laughs> right? right? I was wrong. I was really, really wrong. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. stupid of me to say, but at the time, I was thinking Deshaun Watson, who's had other issues on the field. He's been really good. I thought Deshaun Watson was the guy they were trading up for. So I'm like, okay, the Chiefs are being smart here. They're moving up. They're getting Deshaun Watson. I think he, because I thought he was the best quarterback in that class from a from a talent and competitive standpoint. And then Andy Reid goes and gets Patrick Mahomes, and I'm like, 
this guy freelances like crazy. I mean, he's off platform all over the place. And for us quarterback purists, that's scary. Um, and now you see everybody imitating it. Zach Wilson and the New York Jets got drafted so high because he's off platform. That's the whole big thing, off platform. Now you see at camps these kids throwing underarm, you know, and uh, in, in, in sidearm and you know behind their back or no look, no these. look passes are a thing now. <laughs> yeah, and it's so it's like yeah they see Matthew Stafford do it in the Super Bowl and all of a sudden there we go we're going to do that and only select people could do that because they're really really good at it. Um, so yeah, I was wrong about that. I'll be wrong about plenty of other stuff. Um, I, I was part of the crew that had Kyle Wright as the five-star quarterback heading to Miami. I mean, Brock Berlin, it goes way, way back. Mm-hmm. We're always wrong. We're always right. Um, and it's probably for quarterbacks, maybe 50, 50. All right. Anything else you want to add on Arch Manning? I don't want to make this the Arch Manning, uh, experience or anything else you want to add for the public who wants to talk no. more about it. My assumption is at this point, you're done talking about this. You're going to move forward. So your final comments on this. Well, one. listen, I mean, I got national radio shows lined up, up, up the butt for the next two, three days. So I'm going to continue to be talking about this because that's what they care about. They don't give a crap about, you know, anything else. They want to hear my take on Arch. So I'll still be talking about it as long as people want to talk about it, but I, can't wait for this to be over. Um, and I will tell you this, I think it's going to be very difficult for the big companies out there, you know, and we know who they are to drop him from number one. He's number one everywhere. And it's going to be really, really difficult to drop him from number one. So maybe I'm in a position of power in some ways where I'm going to have him lower and then I can move him up if he's the number one player in the country and say, oops, I'm an idiot. Uh, right. But I, I will tell you this, he's locked in at number one. He's committed to a big, big program. Everyone's going to have a whole lot of trouble dropping him down. Well, and I will guarantee well, you this, nobody's dropping him from a fifth star. Nobody. And I'm sure people are, nope. are screaming at their car radios right now or whatever, asking me to ask this question. Why won't they? I assume I know the answer, Mike, but why won't they drop him down? What, what will cause them to not drop him? It's just hard to do. It's really hard to do. And, and I will tell you this, it's not, nothing's rigged, but when you, when you, when you get into rankings kids so early and when I started doing this, you were ranking one class. Um, I think I started with the 1998 class and that was it. We didn't care about 99 and then things started to progress. And then as competition came in, um, you know, right around 2010, 2011 competition started ranking classes below junior and then below sophomore. So you have to rank these kids earlier and you have much less of a body of work, to do so. <clears throat> but herein lies the rub is that if you rank a kid extremely high and then you drop them, you're going to be accused of dropping them because you hate that fan base or you, you, you're biased, this, that. I mean, it's, it's easier to move kids up because everybody loves that than it is to move kids down. So he's probably going to have a really good year. He had a good freshman year and it's very rare to start as a freshman quarterback at that school. Um, he, he had a solid sophomore year and a solid junior year. I mean, he's, he, he hasn't progressed, but he hasn't regressed. He's just kind of been steady. And I think he'll be steady this upcoming season and he'll put up numbers. He'll probably have 32 touchdowns and three picks. And I, I, I don't think he's going to drop further, but he's probably not going to attend any of the all-star games because why would he, uh, you're probably going to just have be able to evaluate him during the regular season against low 
rated competition and maybe one playoff game, maybe two. And, and that's it. So his evaluation period is over for him. So dropping him, I mean, he has to do something really bad, like a nationally televised game where he throws four picks. And even then, because the last name's Manning, it's going to be difficult to drop him. All right, let's move on to another quarterback that made news. Uh, uh, folks in Oregon are ecstatic. Folks in Michigan are not so much ecstatic. Uh, I think, obviously, the tea leaves are blowing in this direction, Mike, for a while. I think you were hinting this way as well. But Dante Moore announces to Oregon, obviously a big get for Dan Lanning and really his kind of first recruiting class. How, how much of a game changer is this for the Ducks to pick up Dante Moore? It's their version of Arch Manning, but it's a smaller version because, you know, Dante Moore's uncles aren't legends and his grandfather's not a legend um uh, to be fair do we know his uncles i don't know do you know his uncles i don't want to I mean, say maybe that they're okay. legends right. and something else all right. I, fair I, enough. I don't really know and i don't i, I just know that there's not the, the bloodlines there um and that's going to make national news i mean it, it made news it's a big deal most of the news was about harbaugh and not being able to recruit because cj carr you know lloyd carr's grandson went to notre dame and then you know, Dante Moore at MLK leaves the state to go to Oregon. What's wrong with Harbaugh? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's most of the headlines around Dante Moore. What it should be is Dan Lanning taking over from Mario Cristobal. The Bards is very, very high recruiting. Um, and the relationship that he has with Coach Dillingham there, the offensive coordinator, and the way they played this, it's difficult to restrain yourself sometimes in recruiting. And what everything I've been told about Dante Moore, and I know him as well as I know Arch Manning, which means mm. not at all. I've never interviewed him. He doesn't even follow me on Twitter, which is a little bit insulting. I, I don't expect Arch to follow me, but Dante, I mean, come on, you know. Um, but everything I've been told about this process with him is it's 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 relationship driven. It's not you can't over recruit this kid. You can't be you know, in his grill all the time about recruiting. You have to talk about everything else. Um, NIL is a part of everything, but it's not NIL driven. So this isn't, you know, Phil Knight dropping buckets of billions of dollars on the kid like everybody else thinks. Like, oh, geez, Michigan can't compete with Nike money. No, this was well played. Um, and I think, honestly, it came down to trust and I think, you know, Harbaugh interviewing for the Vikings job opened the door for somebody else to come in and, and steal this kid. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Well, I mean, I don't want to make this about Harbaugh, but that's that's obviously the the natural next question here is Harbaugh had this kid, I think, since eighth grade. Right. He was a, he was in this kid's ear. He was talking to him, offering him. I mean, Kenny Dillingham just got for, to Oregon from Florida State. Right. So he had to build that relationship a lot faster, a lot quicker than Harbaugh did. So do you think Harbaugh missed because of the Viking stuff, because of his offense? Do you, do you have any sense for where Harbaugh fell short on this one? I, I think uh, my guess is, you know, the Vikings. I don't know if that's true yeah. or not. I know things sort of turn. So the way the timeline here works is that Dante Moore was looking at Notre Dame and then CJ Carr committed there. And I don't think Michigan really cared that much. I mean, yeah, they would have liked them, but, and then Notre Dame started talking about CJ Carr accelerating and becoming part of the 2023 class. Um, and, and before that, well, before that in February, Harbaugh interviewed for the Vikings. So, you know, if you if you go back to January, this was a Michigan Notre Dame thing, um, and then you fast forward to now, and it became an Oregon and Michigan thing. Notre Dame got their guy, um, 
and and I think it's it, just two and two together. I mean, the relationship with Dillingham went up, and the relationship. You also got to remember. I mean, Gaddis left Michigan, the offensive yeah. coordinator, to go to Miami. There's so many other factors here, and and you know until the kid says it out loud what it was, and he's only going to focus on the positives of Oregon. He's not going to say why he didn't stay home. Um, we can just guess, and those, those are my guesses. If you're Michigan fans, are you concerned about this recruiting trend at Harbaugh? Yeah, I am. Um, the, the recruiting class is okay. Um, they got some four stars in there, but you know, they whiffed on two big quarterback names, and that's concerning. Uh, they're coming off a playoff. They're coming off a win over Ohio State. This should be the, the peak of Harbaugh recruiting, and it's not. Um, and I do think, you know, listen, they cut his salary. Mm-hmm. Uh, they embarrassed him, and I think he just – Flipped the middle finger back to them with the Vikings thing. I think he really thought he was going to get the Vikings job. And now it's kind of a weird, weird dynamic um, where he's back and he says he's never going to do it again. But it's being used against him in recruiting. I I can't say kids don't believe him because I don't know what kids believe or not, but I know it's being used against him in recruiting. How much, if at all, does Mel Tucker play a factor in this? Obviously now recruiting pretty well at, at Michigan State. How, how much does the Mel Tucker factor, you think, impact Harbaugh in the state of Michigan? Not so much. I mean, you know, Michigan State gets Michigan State kids. And by that, I mean, there's certain programs that, that really gravitate towards Michigan State. And, and there's programs that gravitate towards Michigan. And that's always been the way it is in the state. Um, certainly it helps that they had that run last year. Uh, but Ohio State's a bigger problem for Michigan. And I think also the fact that Michigan is struggling to get into the Southeast consistently, whereas Ohio State is just doing it, you know, Urban Meyer did it, now Ryan Day's do it, doing it, yeah. or, you know, get into California more consistently. They've done it. Michigan's done a, a good job of California, less of a good job in the Southeast, or Texas. I mean, Ohio State's recruiting nationally, and they're pulling in, you know, when when Michigan's striking out on Dante Moore, Ohio State's still still celebrating two five-star wide receivers uh, committing to to their program. Um, I think that's more of a factor than Michigan State is. We've mentioned this uh, program a few times already in the show, Mike. So I've got one question for you. Uh-huh. Is the U back? Miami has had a couple of, uh, of nice pickups here in the recruiting trail of late. Mario's doing uh, some good stuff in there. Are you buying what's what well, you're shaking your head already? So you're not buying what's going on in Miami. Well, you asked, are they back? They're not back. Okay. They're O and O under Cristobal. Are they headed back? Yes, they are. I'm excited about it because I grew up, you know, I grew up in New England. I was a Boston College guy because of Flutie Magic, right? And, and Flutie you know, through the, the miracle of Miami against that amazing Miami team. And, and I'm a Cowboy fan. And Jimmy Johnson came from the, the Hurricanes. To the, I mean, be, Miami being great was fun. Michael Irvin. Honestly, yeah. there's just so many things about Miami being great. That was awesome and cool and fun. You know, and, and they haven't been great. And they've been really average and mediocre. And it's kind of sad. And, and I don't, I don't really like it. Um, I'm not rooting for them, but I want to see them get back and get their swagger. And Cristobal is the guy who's going to do that. I, I, when Randy Shannon was hired, I didn't believe he would do it. When, when Al Golden was hired, I didn't believe he would do it. When Mark Rick was hired, I didn't believe he would do it. Cause you know, he had, he had a layup at Georgia and he 
couldn't take them to the next level. So how is he going to do it at Miami? Manny Diaz, no. You know, Larry Coker inheriting it, no. Mario Cristobal, yes. I knew he would recruit this way, and he's going to continue to recruit this way. And I do believe over the next three or four years, he's going to either have a number one recruiting class overall, or it's going to be number two or three, which we haven't seen at Miami in a very long time. And they will be back. But right now, no, they're not back. What makes Mario such an effective recruiter? He had that same uh, you know, legendary status, I guess, at Alabama, obviously at Oregon as well. What makes him, uh, from what you hear from, from folks you talk to, what makes him such an effective recruiter? Well, he's learned from some great ones, too. Uh, you know, he was at Rutgers with Greg Schiano, and, and, and people won't think of that name in, yeah. you know, the, the, the line of Nick Saban, um, you know, as a, as a guy who taught him how to recruit. But Greg Schiano was and is a relentless recruiter, did a tremendous job in the state of Florida, did a great job before he left for the Buccaneers in New Jersey. I mean, he sold something that no one wanted to buy ever. And, and that was what Mario Cristobal learned from him. Then he goes to FIU, you know, and he gets run out of there, which shouldn't have ever been run out sure. of there because yeah. that's, that's a disaster program. Um, and then he ends up in Alabama and he learns under a guy named Nick Saban. And he's part of that, that, that class, you know, that amazing recruiting class that won multiple national titles. Um, and then he goes to Oregon and does the same thing. He's learned from the best. He's relentless. He's affable. He's personable. He gets it. Um, you know, there's a lot of coaches that are affable, personal. They get it. They work hard. They're relentless. Something about him just, I don't know, it makes you want to hang out with him and, and, and be his bud. And, and I know I don't want to be his buddy because I don't want to be buddies with anybody. But I get it. When I talk to him, I could feel the the excitement about the you and and even i got that at oregon but now it's infectious he's just he's just he couldn't be happier if nick saban retired tomorrow and alabama said come here he would say no Hmm. there's no job he wants other than this one and i think he's going to be successful uh, we've mentioned some of the big names already. Who, who's next, Mike? What are the, the next kind of names you're, you're tracking that you think are close to decisions? Who are kind of the big fish that you're still keeping an eye on out there right now? Well, it's the dead time, so I hope there's not too many. Um, you know, obviously, you, you just had the Florida State situation um, at quarterback. I, I think they're going to sort of prop up a little bit with Glenn is there are there are there issues at Florida State is there is there something that you think mm. deeper there no I, I just think Mike Norville inherited a bad situation I mean Jimbo mm. left the cupboard bare for Taggart Taggart didn't help anything and then you know Norville gets hired during COVID and yeah. he can't do what he does and and now he's playing catch-up ever since um you know and you know they've had some stinging losses I mean you know Sam Howell going to North Carolina would have changed the trajectory of, of Florida State from a national offensive perception. So sometimes you miss on one guy or you lose one guy late and it could just change everything. I don't think Norvell is doing a bad job. I don't think he's um, I don't think he's I still don't think he's set up for success because mm-hmm. you know Florida State's still digging out. Um, but it's funny because everybody's like, okay, Coach Dion is our next coach already. It's like Coach Dion, Coach Dion, Coach Dion, and that's got to be tough for Norvell. 
Um, and he's been given longer than Taggart and that's <laughs> tough too, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of things going, but you know, they're going to upgrade at quarterback. Um, my, my thing about July is I think things are going to slow down quite a bit as they usually do. I think in August we'll get back to high school football and then the kids who wanted to save their official visits or take a few official visits during the season and into December, you'll start to see another flow of commitments around then. It's the same with the portal. The portal's kind of dead now. Yeah. Um, so I don't have anybody I'm really looking at to make a decision. There will be commitments and we'll evaluate them as they come. But I think we're going to start seeing a little bit of a lull when it comes to commitments. And then at the end of the season is decommitment time because at the end of the season, the portal blows up. Yep. At the end of the season, coaches can do their in-home visits. At the end of the season, kids have to make a decision as to whether they still want to go to that school or not. Uh, and I'm not saying Arch Manning is going to be one of those kids, but I'm really curious to see. And here I am bringing them up again. You know, let's. <laughs> you just can't well, stop, Mike. Clickbait. Well, here we I go. Mean, let's let's say a team, and we don't have to say Texas. We can say someone else. Struggles out of the gate, and their coach is on the hot seat. You know, Florida State. There's a great example. Florida State. Sure. It changes everything. It changes your thought process. It changes. You know. So, I think that's where we're going to start seeing a lot. And and the nightmare for coaches is that first couple weeks of December when they're trying to stop kids from hitting the portal while recruiting high school kids to their school. Um, and the NCAA wants to do a 60 day window, uh, you know, after the, the conference title game, that's not going to change anything. I mean, that's the busiest time anyways. And they want to do a 15 or 14 day window in May. That's also the biggest, busiest time after spring. I personally have thought they needed to to refine the calendar of the portal, but now I'm rethinking it. I, I think it's fine the way it is. It's really in a lull right now. So this is kind of a quiet period for the portal. Um, and the kids are going to go into the portal, let's say, after four games so you could save your redshirt season. You can't go in. Well, then you're just going to wait till December, and then everybody's going to go in at once, and then coaches are going to just lose their mind because – all of a sudden, one day, 500 kids are in the portal and they don't know what to do. So the next busy, busy time for recruiting and the fun time for recruiting is going to be probably at the end of the season. You haven't talked about it yet on the show, but I'm curious your, your reaction to it. Today we heard from the, the new Big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormark. Obviously, he's got a, a tough uh, tough little task in front of him, obviously, with conference realignment. What did you make of the hire of, of Brett Yormark to the Big 12? I, I, I think it's... Good. I think it's fine for businessmen to be hired because this is a business now, um, you know, and I think you have to navigate this business very carefully. So if you've had success navigating businesses before, that's what this is all about. Uh, the PAC 12 hire was, was intriguing as well. Um, these are business decisions and, and, you know, they all have to live up to Sankey. Uh, but I will say, you know, Kevin Warren was hired. It wasn't an overall business decision him to be hired he just fell into a tremendous opportunity with a great tv deal and now the big 10 can sort of be aggressive and, and pick and they said they're they haven't said it but i've heard that they're going to slow it down uh the sec is happy with 16. the acc if they make changes then the grant of rights could blow up yeah. um, because the grant of rights is locked in for the current model of the acc if they go out and try to get a notre dame and and woo them and give them a ton of money, they're going to lose teams. They're going to lose programs. 
Big 12 and Pac-12 are the ones to look at. And I think the smart thing would be for those two guys to get together and say, let's make this the big Pac-12 and let's just merge. And then power comes with that. Oregon and Washington uh, are tremendous programs. Utah is a, a great program. You've got academics with Cal and Stanford. And then they're playing games against the Oklahoma States and, and Baylor's and and TCU's of the world, and it's just intriguing for everybody. And that's the only way I think either conference survives. I guess we'll all be watching to see what uh, what what Brett's first few moves are as he as he takes the the reins. August first um, is I think the date Bob Bowlesby will step away, yeah. and Brett Yormark now in in the chair. Mike, he's working uh, in, now though. He's working. Oh, now. for sure. Yeah. Well, obviously he did the presser today, and and he he was the the forward facing visionary that was kind of at the mic and leading that through. So clearly yeah. that baton has been passed, Mike. Uh, let's let's head over to to Mike's list. MikeFarrellSports.com mm-hmm. is where you can find these new list popped out this week, Mike top yeah. 50 tight ends that's what yeah. we got here so take us first and foremost through the evaluation process it's got to be a lot of fun watching tight end video no <laughs> it's 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 interesting i'll tell you that much and and it's also you know looking in the group of five versus power five you know there's utah has two guys in the top 10 yep. uh, south carolina has two guys in the top 10 and georgia has three guys in the top i believe 16. um that's difficult too because where do you put a darnell washington compared to a guy who you know he's obviously not the the target brock bowers is the target um you know where do you put an eric gilbert who hasn't played in a couple years but was so good as a freshman at lsu a couple years ago uh compared to a group of five kid who is the starter and where do you put the true freshman so i don't know tight ends are i didn't think this list would blow up you know, I knew the quarterback one would, running back one would, wide receiver one I knew for sure that would blow up. Um, tight ends, people get a little lukewarm about it. And the next one's offensive lineman, and people get a little lukewarm about that. But the tight end one, because it was at the top, Brock versus Mayer, that was a big deal. Because of, you know, the Gamecocks in Utah having two in the top ten, uh, you know, because of the dispute between, you know, Eric All and the rest of the Big Ten tight ends, uh, you know, Will Mallory at, at, at Miami. And then, of course, Eric Gilbert and guys like that who are polarizing. It just it blew up. It didn't blow up as big as the other ones, but it's been very fun to discuss this with people because um, tight ends are a huge, huge part if, if you utilize them properly. Yeah. What was the separator between Bowers and Mayer? How did you how did you kind of get Bowers one, Mayer two? Um, I, you know, Bowers is a year younger. Um, he showed what he could do last year. Uh, Mayer's awesome. You know, Mayer's, Mayer's the, the Gronk type, um, you know, and, and Bowers is the, I guess, the Anthony Gonzalez type. I mean, they're both great players. Um, but as a receiver, you know, Bowers is a little bit more athletic and more fluid. Um, and Mayer's a better blocker. So it was, it was because he's a year younger, kind of. That was, was kind of it. How big is the drop off between two and three? Uh, you know, obviously uh, uh, Bowers, Mayer, probably the, the top two. How big is that drop off before you get to your third tight end? Uh, huge. It's, it's big. Um, you know, a lot of people look at this list and say, oh my gosh, it's talented. And, you know, Matt Miller, who works at ESPN now, um, mentioned, you know, how talented the tight end group is. It is. But after the top two, there's a bit of a drop off. And, 
you know, you're not going to see multiple tight ends in the first round of the NFL draft. That's just not the way it works there. It's the same as running backs. Um, but the drop-off is is there. I mean, Stogner is nowhere close to Mayer or Bowers. And Eric Gilbert is all ceiling again. I mean, he's a five-star kid coming out of high school. Um, he looked great at LSU, but he's had so many on-field issues and, you know, a couple transfers. And he had a good spring game, two touchdowns. But, you know, he's a wild card. Um, I would say he's the only one in that top ten that could ever, ever – you know, challenge those top two. Hmm. Interesting. One name that, that caught my attention, you were talking about, uh, uh, as you started, group of five, power five, sort of how do you differentiate that? Number 22 on your list, Kamori Gamble, went from Florida to UCF. How do you evaluate him sort of in a new offensive system, going sort of changing levels, if you will, right now, even though UCF plays some really good opponents? How did you get Kamori Gamble at 22? You guess. I mean, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> I'll take it. It's listen. I mean, 22 versus 24 versus 25. It's like, <clears throat> where do you slot him? Um, you know, I, I liked what I saw of him at, at Florida. And I think he's going into a situation where he'll be targeted a little bit more. Um, but, so, you know, he's also behind some guys that haven't done as much. Uh, and that's based on ceiling and, and such. So, but really, honestly, and I'll be honest, I'm honest about Arch Manning and I'm honest about rankings and I'm honest about everything because I've been doing this for so long, I can be honest. Uh, you know, a lot of this is just, it's not darts at a dartboard, but it's like, how do I get Davis Allen number 26? Should he be number 20? And you have to make those decisions and it's fluid and, and fluctuates quite a bit and it's going to change quite a bit. But that's what's fun about it. This isn't me saying I'm the expert. You guys all suck. This is perfect one through 50. You're all idiots. This is me saying, this is kind of my shot at it. It's my opinion. And tell me what you disagree about and, and tell me what you agree on. And if you're not a lunatic fanboy, you know, if you, if you think Eric all should be number one because you're a go blue face painter. Great. But if you're like a football fan, uh, let's discuss and talk about it. I, that's the fun part. All right, well, give me some names on this list then that maybe people don't know or haven't followed you think uh, can can have maybe a solid year or even a, a sort of a breakout season. So funny because I can't even see the list because it's so small on my phone. <laughs> but Davis Allen is one of them at Clemson. I mean, if they had a good quarterback and then DJ could be a good quarterback or Kate Klubnik could be a good quarterback, I mean, we'll have to see. Um, he's a guy that I think could be much higher. You know, they've used the tight end in the past when when they've had quarterbacks that know how to check down. Um, you know, the interesting guy is Keon Zipperer at mm. 50, you know, because Gamble's gone and he's supposed to be the guy, but I'm not even sure if he's the best tight end on, on this particular roster. And then Otten, uh, Washington, a lot of people were like, well, why would you even have him? He's a true freshman. They've got two other guys. This is sort of a projection as to, I'm not saying he's going to be Brock Bowers, but I'm saying that he's talented enough. Obviously, he's got the bloodlines with his brother being in the NFL now that he could jump in there and really um, make a difference. And I like Kuntz at uh, Old Dominion. You know, he's a former Penn State guy. I think he's found his fit. I think he's found his niche. Um, and I think he's going to be a guy that a lot of people don't pay attention to anymore because he's not at Penn State. But 
the NFL will certainly pay attention to. Again, you can find this list on uh, Mike's website, MikeFarrellSports.com. You can also find it uh, on his social media, especially his, uh, his Twitter and his Instagram, and that's at M Sports Mike. And we got what uh, offensive lineman next week for everyone to get excited about? I believe so. Um, yeah, I mean, I know so. It's just that's a pain in the butt to do. Um, you know, and it's not going to break it out to tackles and guards and centers. I'm just oh, well, what are we doing, Mike? Oh, yeah, I'm just going to lump them all in there and and see what happens. And and so what I do on these is I try to see what the feedback is and who people complain the most about. So I still owe a tight end article, which will be an explanation from, you know, 1 to 10, 11 to 20, and on and on and on as to why I felt one thing and fans felt another. Um and so that'll be that'll be done, and then the offensive line. I've already started to dig into the offensive line a bit. Um, that'll be the least sexy one, you know. And then we'll move into defensive linemen. And again, tackles and ends are going to be in there, so people are going to go crazy, like, "Oh my gosh, how Jalen Carter should be in his own category versus Willie Anderson." Uh, and then linebackers, then defensive backs, and and then I'll be done, and then I can start over because football camp will have started and we'll start to get a sense as to who's going to win the Texas A&M job and who's going to win the LSU job and all that stuff for quarterbacks. And we could start over and kick people off even more with a preseason list. Are you going to do top 50 kickers? Is that, Mm-mm. did I miss that? Oh, no, no kickers, Mike? Or long snappers. Kickers? Wow. Listen, I, I, I've always said this, always. Kickers are not human beings. They're mm. not. They don't belong on a football team. Mm. And, and, and that's a, you know, people get really upset about that and especially kicker family. I will tell you the most decorative, the most decorative film packages I used to get in the late nineties and early two thousands were from kicker parents. I mean, they would be gorgeous, you know, folders, laminated, uh, you know, video, and it's all little Johnny taking extra points. <laughs> and, 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 you know, little Johnny, you know, barely getting a 34 yard or through the uprights or whatever. When I saw something like that, when it was thick, I looked at it and I immediately knew when I opened it, it would be a kicker. And then I immediately just threw it out. Now, mm. kickers are important. They win football games and they can lose football games. But what I really don't like is that there's guys out there, blood, sweat and tears, jerseys are all bloody and dirty and they're killing each other and then the kicker trots out with the clean uniform and he's the one who's deciding whether or not this football game is won football would be extremely interesting if there was no such thing as an extra point or a field goal think about that for a second okay and now tell me what you think Makes those top 50 tight ends more important at that point, right? I mean, that seems like a great goal line play to get the tight end involved. Makes everything more important. And, and, and you know, who was the kicker for the Bengals, the dude from Florida? Uh, I forget. Uh, McPherson. Name, but, Evan McPherson, yeah. I think. Listen, great, great kicker. Won two playoff games for them. And he freaking just he watched the, the halftime show. Why? Because he doesn't need to go in the locker room, he doesn't need <laughs> sure. to hear any strategy. You know yeah. what you do? Kick it so, through the yellow things. Yeah. Yeah. We need you to kick a field goal now. Do you know how to do that? And that just, I listen, I'm not, I guess I'm not upset about it, but I'm like, if 
if I'm a six foot four, 330 pound offensive lineman who's had a guy, you know, bull rushing me all day long, and a kicker goes out and misses a 32 yarder, I want to, I just want to kill him. Wow. All right. So last, who do you dislike more, Arch Manning or kickers? Just kidding. We'll, we'll get back. <laughs> we'll get back to that Can in I next week's episode. Back? I love. Yeah, let's let's get that. But I was going to ask you. We have the Ask Mike segment, which yeah. no one ever sends questions, and so I just do it myself. Is that your prize possession? Now you've got this whole setup behind one you. Get helmets and a nice. Is that it right there? One of them. The best one, and I'll bring it out, uh, is the Tom Brady Michigan one. Oh wow! And, okay. and and it's funny because people Michigan fans think I hate Michigan. You know, okay. every fan base thinks I hate them in every way, shape, or form. But, but a Tom Brady is like um, of the helmet world. It's you know, it's 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 the arc of the covenant. And you know, I wanted a Michigan one more so than a Patriots one because I grew up in New England, and I don't I don't dislike the Patriots, but I'm not a Patriots fan. Um, and I didn't want a Buccaneers one. And Michigan has beautiful, gorgeous helmets. So that's my that's my prize possession. Uh, this week, the British Open tees off. Uh, now, apparently, it's the Open Championship. I don't know when we changed that, by the way. When they I was growing up, it was the British part. Open. Yep. Who knew? Uh, so that tees off uh, at like 1 a.m. East Coast time here uh, Thursday morning, Mike. Who who do you got? Who's who's your money on? I'm going Shoffley. Um, wow. I haven't I haven't made my picks yet, so I'm in a pool where you pick golfers okay. from seven different tier, tiers. So, you know, all the big-name guys will be – in tier one and he just picked you know some unknowns in tier seven and tiger woods is in tier three you know as an example of the odds he's 80 to one um but i think shawfley because he's just been playing so well he was he just won the travelers here in connecticut but he also won the scottish open on links yeah. courses yeah he doesn't have a weakness zalatoris is a zalatoris is a dark horse if he can putt consistently but Lynx golf is all about lag putting. Um, you know, the greens are sometimes longer than a football field. And I think uh, Shoffley is just, he's on fire in that respect. And I don't think he's going to make any mistakes. All right. We'll have to get Mike's top 50 uh, lag putters uh, for uh, for a, a future that. episode. Okay. Well, well that may be that. better than offensive linemen. I'm not going to lie to you. I think I it know. is too. I mean, it might be better. John Rahm at 32. I had him in 27. That's just my oh, own personal well, list. But argue, I mean, we can, we'll that. take you this offline. We don't want to bother yeah. everybody out there. We will yeah. we'll take this offline. But thanks for tuning in for another edition of the Mike Farrell Sports Talk Show. Again, if you're not already doing so, please subscribe. Uh, Believe Podcast Network. Also, go to Mike's YouTube channel. He's posting more videos up there as well. So every now and again, I think Mike gets the itch, gets a little bored in the afternoon. He's just yeah. got to do a video. So yeah. uh, go to YouTube. You'll see all those videos that Mike's doing as, as these thoughts come to his head throughout the day. And then uh, at MikeFarrellSports.com, Mike, how's the site coming along? Good. Uh, traffic's up. We got some uh, partners interested, so we're in discussions with that. And I think it's going to really blow up soon, um, you know, to a, to a good level. I mean, you need partners to do that. Uh, but a lot of people are interested. And then after this week, more people are interested, of course, because of this whole viral garbage. But, um, but yeah, you know, and I told you, I mean, listen, my schedule is seat of my ass, right? He's not it's kidding, just, folks. No, he's not. I when I, when no, Mike says this, he is literally not joking. I have this. no idea when I'm going to do something or yep. what I'm going to. And it just, I get, you know, I get the itch and then I'll do like six things and then I'll go silent on you for like two days. I'll still yeah. produce content. But when it comes to video, this 
bad, ugly face only wants to be on at certain times. And it's very <laughs> unpredictable. You know, like I hit yes. you up at what, six? And I yep. said, let's do this. At, you know, when can you do this? You're like, after 7.15. I said, let's do 7.30. And then I hit you up and I said, could you do 7.15? Because you know These what? Are true facts. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want to wait till 7.30 because yeah. then I'm going till 8.30 and I got Peaky Blinders to watch and I got articles. It's a busy man. Busy man, yeah. Yeah, well, that's a little peel the curtain back at the Mike Farrell Sports Show here. But Mike says, Mike says, let's talk at 7.15. We hit record. We have no idea what we're talking about. But somehow you listen to it. Hopefully you like it. And hopefully you'll come back again yeah. and join us for future episodes. It'd be I'm going gonna, gonna to say that I think it's really good. And it's not because I'm in it. I just think <laughs> this is good. I just do. I think I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts. And I've heard sure. to a lot of people talking back and forth. You know, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. I'm not an expert, but I will tell you the real truth. I'll talk to you about anything. I don't care if you do the Ask Mike section about, like, uh, you know, my my favorite ice cream. I'll talk about that. I don't care. Um, and I well, think it's I, entertaining. I got to know your favorite ice cream now. I'm so fat. I just, I, today. I saw that video really, today. It was a really vulnerable moment. I actually felt like I couldn't watch it for a minute. I had to, like, look away because I felt like I was watching something that wasn't well, meant to be broadcast, Mike. Are you okay? Somebody, I, there were a lot of people called me a fat ass because of the arsenic thing, right? Yeah. So that's well, you also shaved, by the way. You're watching on video. Mike, you, you seem to have shorn beard a little bit, yes. Well, here's the other thing, too, is I don't know how to shave. Um, I want to have a goatee. So mm -hmm. I have something that shaves everything, and then I've got a, a trimmer. But my okay. trimmer is... The setting on my trimmer and the, the little attachment to it, I haven't been able to figure out one that keeps the, the goatee. So I just shave it all and then grow mm. back. And okay. I'm just, I, I'm telling you, I'm, I, I don't know how I function as a human being because mm. that's an example. And then all the fat ass comments and I'm like, Gee, am I really that fat? And then what I did is I took the, the phone and you know how you do this to make yourself yeah. look thin, right? That's a big trick because you don't yep. see your jowl. I did the opposite and I looked down and I looked at it. I'm like, oh my God, I gotta start eating some salad. But ice cream, right now I'm on an ice cream sandwich kick and I'm on a, a Neapolitan one, okay. and chalk straw. I gotta stop. Hmm. I mean, I, I'm just okay. getting fatter by the minute. One last question for you, by the way. A lot of your promo pictures uh, I see of you wearing a, a suit and tie. It unnerves me. When's the last time you were in a suit and tie, Mike? Hmm. Suit and tie. Okay, so yeah. I had to dress up for a funeral recently, but I didn't want a tie. Yeah. Um, wow. I don't know. I that think, pandemic life treating you good. I like it. I think it was probably the NBC uh, All-American game the last time I was on TV doing that. Okay. And that's like... Yeah. We're talking like 2013. Yeah, you've got this nice picture. You've got a little suit and tie situation. You had a coat on. And I'm always yes. like, which one? That's Mike. And it takes me a second. There's another guy in the promo with you. And I have to orient myself to figure out which one of you is Mike. Well, and then I'm like, oh, it's the suit and tie. How, how did that happen? First of all, that's like what nine years old. Lose? That's nine years old, about 40 pounds ago. Mm. Uh, and I look good in that picture. But it's the only picture I'll use. It's angled. As you can see, it's not straight on. <laughs> I don't like straight yeah. on pictures. And I don't like it. So you notice on my website, there's no picture of me because I, I'm mm. not a photogenic human being. Um, so all the pictures that I have mostly are from 10 years ago in a suit when I was doing television for either ESPN or uh, NBC. 
little behind the curtain. Look, if you if you stuck in for this, you got some some nuggets from uh, from Mike. A little behind the scenes, a little behind the curtain of MikeFarrellSports.com. Again, thanks for tuning in for another week. Again, make sure you subscribe and follow Mike everywhere. You can follow him on social media and check out that website. We'll be back again soon. We don't know when. You just heard Mike's schedule. It's whenever. So if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, though, by the way. It doesn't matter because it just pops you right up alert. in your feed. You just get an alert. Like you don't have to worry about. I'll worry about my schedule. You, you don't have to. You don't I have will. to. I'll take care of that for you all. So just subscribe <laughs> and it's all take care. Every random moment I can, I'll hit you up and just say, "Are you, hey, it's nine thirty in the morning. Could you pause?" Yeah. And you're like, "I got a job." Jerk. I might be able to nine thirty. Actually, I'm usually pretty slow at nine thirty. We should work oh, on okay. that. Well, work this I out. can't schedule anything. As you I know. know nothing scheduled here. Nothing is. I, nothing. I did not write it down. No pen in my hand. My hands are free uh, and you are free to go. Everybody have a fantastic week and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.